بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين All praise and thanks belongs to Allah سبحانه وتعالى and may the peace and blessing of Allah be upon his servant and final messenger Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم As to what follows my dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I begin by a fact, and that is that the day in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the Qur'an was the day in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and blessing and guidance bestowed upon mankind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ قَدْ جَاءَتْكُمْ مَوْعِظَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَشِفَاءٌ لِمَا فِي الصُّدُورِ وَشِفَاءٌ لِمَا فِي الصُّدُورِ وَهُدًى وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressed humanity, all of mankind. He said, indeed, there has come to you a reminder, an instruction manual from your Lord, and also has come from your Lord, shifa'ul lima fi sudur a healer and a cure for what is in the chest, and that is a cure for the ailments and the illnesses and the diseases of the heart. وَرَحْمَةٌ وَهُدًا وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ And a great guidance and mercy has come down to the believers. And so the one who takes by the Qur'an and adheres to the Qur'an and commits to the messages and the instructions that are found in the Qur'an, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant him cure and guidance and blessing and mercy. That's the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that doesn't mean that your life would be free from calamities and tribulations and trials and troubles. That doesn't mean this. Because calamities and trials and difficulties are a part of life. They are a necessary part of life. And so even our last moment on earth, which is the moment in which the soul is removed from the body, that will be the greatest calamity we ever experience, death, and no one escapes death. So until then and beyond that, there are still calamities to come. Once your two feet are in the paradise, this is where there is absolutely no calamities and no troubles left. And so my brothers and sisters in Islam, calamities will exist and they will continue. But calamities will be present in your life as a blessing, as a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to strengthen your relationship with Allah azza wa jal and in order to purify you and to elevate your rank with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is how calamities is supposed to be seen. So the stronger you adhere to the Qur'an, don't misunderstand. 
and say I'm a strong believer. I commit to my prayers. I read the Quran every day. How come Allah is testing me in this rigorous manner? These tests are a blessing. They are a mercy. They are purifying this heart, preparing it to meet Allah, preparing it to meet its creator subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's elevating the rank of the believers. My brothers and sisters in Islam, the Quran, what it does in time of calamity and tribulation, what it does is that it will teach you and it will give you guidance how to navigate through your calamities. It will be the light in times of darkness and it will be the strength in times of weakness and it will be the healing in times of despair and distress. And it will give you purpose when you have lost your purpose in life and your direction in life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to make a public announcement to all of mankind. And he said to him, say to them, وَإِنِ اِهْتَدَيْتُ فَبِمَا يُوحِي إِلَيَّ رَبِّي Imagine, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was told to say, وَإِنِ اِهْتَدَيْتُ If you ever see me, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam guided. If you ever see me guided in anything I do, it is because of what Allah revealed to me. فَبِمَا يُوحِي إِلَيَّ رَبِّي If you find me still strong in a time of calamity, that's because of what Allah revealed to me. If you find our brothers and sisters in Gaza and in occupied Palestine strong, and you're wondering, where did they get this strength and this faith from? فَبِمَا يُوحِي إِلَيَّ رَبِّي It's because what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed of the truth and the messages that are found in the Quran. And I give you an example on this. Well, we've seen many, many examples in our time now. But I give you an example from the life of the companions radiyallahu anhum. And I give you the incident in which the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dies. You know, this is a great calamity that occurred to al-ummah when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam died. We will never understand what this calamity means. We will never understand. But the companions knew exactly what it means. Anas radiyallahu anhu, he says, when the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to Al-Madinah, everything lit up. And the day he died, everything became dark and gloomy. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he walked into the room where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was laying motionless. And he uncovered his face that was covered with a blanket and he kissed him on his head. And he said, he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, how beautiful, how beautiful you look the day you are alive and the day you are dead. And he closed and he covered the head and the face of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu made his way into al-Masjid al-Nabawi. He wants to address the believers who have all become into a state of despair and hopelessness and shock. Umar radiallahu anhu is going crazy. He's saying if anyone dares to say that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has died, I will behead him. Umar, Uthman radiallahu anhu fell to the ground. He couldn't stand. Ali radiallahu anhu the same. Sahaba radiallahu anhu are all crying. No one knows what to do. Imagine what a calamity. How do we get out of this calamity? 
How do we come out of this? Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said to Umar radiallahu anhu, sit down. Umar refused to sit down. What a trial. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu made his way until he reached the mimbar, until he reached the pulpit of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And you know what he did? You know what he did? He stood. He did not speak the words of man. Imagine he stood there and he said, people, you know, inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. Our beloved messenger has died. We need to just make tawbah and istighfar, turn to Allah. No one would have listened to him. He decided to begin his address by saying, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلِ أَفَإِنْ مَاتَ أَوْ قُتِلًا قَلَبْتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ وَمَنْ يَنْقَلِبْ عَلَىٰ عَقِبَيْهِ فَلَنْ يَضُرَّ اللَّهَ شَيْئًا وَسَيَجْزِ اللَّهُ الشَّاكِرِينَ he began his address with the words of Allah. He read, وَمَا Muhammad." Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is nothing but a prophet, just like the prophets before him. Is it now, when he has died, or if he was killed, are you all going to turn back on your heels and abandon your religion? Because whoever abandons religion, he will never have harmed Allah Azza wa Jal. The one who abandons the Salat, the Zakat, turns away from the Quran, he doesn't harm Allah Azza wa Jal. Indeed, he has harmed himself. And he will see the consequences of his actions in this life and in the afterlife. Allahu Akbar. Umar radiallahu anhu, the one who couldn't be controlled during this calamity, he said, it is as though I had heard this for the very first time in my life. He knows it, radiallahu anhu. He knows the ayah, but it hit different this time because he's going through a calamity. And when a person goes through calamity, his vision is blocked. He doesn't see around him. And nothing will open your vision other than the Quran. It's like the eyes is blocked. You cannot see anything except the Quran because the Quran is not a book that is in front of you. The Quran is a word that is within the heart. So if you closed, it's even closer to you than your own hands. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, indeed, the Quran is clear signs, clear guidance in the chests of those who have been given knowledge. Allahu Akbar. And as a result, Umar radiallahu anhu, is able to navigate the greatest calamity that affects him during his life. And this, there are tons and tons of examples as to what the Quran has done to the hearts of mankind. You look at the example of Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad. Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, a righteous man. He was a highway robber. He used to steal from the people. So one night he's carrying his criminal activity. He gets to a house, he scales the wall and he goes in. And he wants to rob the man. But the man is sitting there worshipping Allah 
and he recites an ayah. أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ This man read an ayah. He read in where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Isn't it time for those who have believed that their hearts should become humbled and submissive at the remembrance of Allah and what has come down from the truth? Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, he said, I came to rob him. He read an ayah that robbed my heart. And he made the tawbah from that very night. And he became a scholar in Islam. His works up until this day are shared among students of knowledge and among the general masses of the Muslims. Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad, Allahu Akbar. That's the effect the Quran had in his heart. And you all know, Al-Najashi, the king, Al-Najashi, he was a disbeliever at the beginning. He was a Christian. And some companions came to him and they recited to him some Quran. They recited to him some Quran from Surah Maryam. When Najashi accepted Islam and he knew what he was risking, he was risking that he might lose his followers. And he might lose his kingdom. But even then, the guidance of the Quran, one ayah, a few ayat, was enough to get him out of his misery, of the darkness, of the sheets of darkness, of disbelief and oppression. And he embraced Islam because of a few ayat. My brothers and sisters in Islam, every single person who embraced Islam, and every single person who came out from a life of rebellion into the light of Islam and committed to steadfastness, the end of the day, it was because of an ayah. It was because of a hadith. It was because of a story that is mentioned in the Quran or somewhere in Sunnah al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's it. Subhanallah, one ayah. Look at the power and the strength of this Quran. If you only read it with the intention of guidance, then Allah Azza wa Jal will guide you through this Quran. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He said, وَيَهْدِي بِهِ كَثِيرًا Allah Azza wa Jal guides many through this Quran. You just need to read it with the intention of guidance and it will guide you in any situation you find yourself in. My brothers and sisters in Islam, this is why the Quran is supposed to be celebrated. Because no book on earth has the same effect as the Quran. The effect that the Quran has on the soul and on the mind and on the heart of mankind is unlike any other book. No book will do that. Subhanallah. And you know, at the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf, and we all know that Surah Al-Kahf, it's a sunnah to recite it on Fridays. We recite it every Friday. And Surah Al-Kahf, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us very, something very important about it. He said that if the first 10 ayat of Surah Al-Kahf are recited unto a dajjal which is the greatest fitna to ever come on earth, then Allah will save him. So that means if these 10 ayat are recited, 
and adhere to and you commit to these ayat, they will be more than enough to protect you from every fitna on earth. Because every fitna would be less in its intensity than fitna to Dajjal. And what is the thing that would protect you in these 10 ayat from the greatest fitna and every other fitna? What is that? It's the first ayah. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, Alhamdulillahi alladhi anzala ala abdihi al-kitab wa lam yaj'al lahu iwaja qayyima The beginning of the surah, Alhamdulillah, someone is screaming, praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All praise and thanks belongs to Allah. Why? Alladhi anzala ala abdihi al-kitab the one who sent down this book on his sleeve, then the thing that will save you from the fitan is the kitab, is this Quran, is this book that Allah sent down. Do you feel, do you understand the attitude and the spirit of the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf? Someone screaming out of happiness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down a book. Imagine a person, he's in the middle of the ocean, fighting gigantic waves and storms and he's about to drown and all of a sudden a helicopter comes and it deploys a life boy and he holds on to this life boy it's his life and death and he comes out saved from the storms and the waves around him that's what the quran does we're living a life of storms storms of fitan intense fitan difficulties hardships calamities by the end of the day, you're finished. Distress, anxiety, calamity, depression, hopelessness, despair, oppression, injustice, all of it has gathered upon you, upon an ummah. We're in this storm, we're about to drown. Whoever holds on to the life boy and holds on to it tightly, which is the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save him. That's the message that is found at the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf. Allah Azza wa Jal, He said, وَلَمْ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ Allah Azza wa Jal did not make for this Qur'an any crookedness. The Qur'an is not crooked. Rather, qayyima. It is upright, it is straight. What does that mean? It means the closer you are to the Qur'an, the more straight and upright your life would be. And the further away you are from the Qur'an, your life would be bent and crooked and miserable until you return to the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers and sisters in Islam, that's the Qur'an. That's the blessing of the Qur'an. And the greatest message that is in the Qur'an, and I perhaps will end my talk with this matter, the greatest message in the Qur'an the message that the Qur'an prioritized. You know what it is? Because if you don't know, then that is a disaster and a calamity in and of itself. The greatest message of the Qur'an is the message of at-tawheed, monotheism. Accepting the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, saying, La ilaha illallah, and adhering to that, and committing to that, and living your life upon this word until the day you die. And every single ayah in the Qur'an 
is an ayah that is reaffirming la ilaha illallah in your heart. That's why the greatest ayah in the Quran was ayatul kursi. Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum. Because it has ten facts about Allah. And ayatul kursi we recite it once after every prayer. Once in the morning, once in the evening, and once before we sleep eight times a day to renew La ilaha illallah in our hearts, to renew the central message of the Quran, which is La ilaha illallah. And that's why Surah Al Ikhlas equals to a third of the Quran. Whoever read Qul Huwa Allahu Ahad, the Surah, three times. He will earn the reward of reading the Quran from cover to cover. Why? Because its central message is at tawheed The central message is about the oneness of Allah. It's about La ilaha illallah. And we're reading this surah three times in the morning, three times in the evening, and just before we sleep three times as well. And the first commandment of Allah upon mankind, what was the first commandment in the Quran? When you begin to read the Quran from the very beginning, the first commandment, Allah Azza wa Jalla, He says, "Ya ayyuhanna su'budu rabbakum al-ladhi khalaqakum, al-ladhi khalaqakum wal-ladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon." An address to mankind. Mankind, u'budu rabbakum, worship your Lord. Meaning, embrace the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the message that is found in the Quran. And that's the central message of every single prophet that Allah sent to mankind. Every prophet said to mankind, Allah, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no Lord besides him. My brothers and sisters in Islam, and even in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala documents the first conversation we had with him subhanahu wa ta'ala do you know what that was about because if you know what that is about it'll re re reiterate the idea that the central message in the quran is at tawheed and that is when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us he first created us as a soul our soul first existed long before our bodies and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took the souls from the loins of Adam alayhi salam and he dispersed us all in front of him like seeds. And then he said to all of us, we were all there as a soul, the best and the worst of us. And inshallah, there's no one bad among us here. We ask Allah azza wa jal to grant us all mercy and acceptance. Then he said to us all, Alastu bi rabbikum. Am I not your Lord? Am I not your master? All of us answered and we said, Bala shahidna. Yes, indeed, we bear witness to the fact that you are our Lord. And so the soul had the knowledge of La ilaha illallah stored within it. And that happened on the day of Arafah. And that's why the best thing to say on the day of Arafah is La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahu al-mulku wa lahu al-hamdu wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir. Then after a while, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the body of Adam alayhi salam. And then he said to the angels, make a sajda to Adam. 
But before he did that, he said to them, I am going to blow the soul into Adam's body. The second I blow it into his body, then fall into sujood. And so the soul was put into Adam's body and all the angels, including Jibreel, one wing of 600 wings would cover the entire sky. And the angels, Hamalatul Arsh, the one who carry the throne, they also made a sajda. All of them made a sajda to Adam alayhi salam. You know why? Not because of his body. They made a sajda of honor and respect. What are they honoring and respecting out of Adam alayhi salam? Not his body. Because his body existed for a long time and they were never commanded to make a sajda. But the second the soul was blown into the body, they were commanded to make a sajda of honor and respect for Adam. Why? Because what honors mankind is his soul. And what is in the soul? La ilaha illallah. When you adhere to la ilaha illallah, you are honored. When you keep away from la ilaha illallah, you are dishonored. Allahu Akbar. And Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned this purpose in the Quran when He said, "Wama khalaqtu al-jinna wal-insa illa liyabudun." I only created mankind and jinnkind so that they establish my worship. My worship meaning so that they establish my oneness. You establish the oneness of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in your life, and that is the purpose of life. The purpose of life is for us to know who Allah is, to recognize that Allah is our Creator. And how are we going to do this? By looking around us and everything that Allah has created. I mean, the tree and the flowers on the tree, they are indication that Allah is the creator of all things. You know, a tree that has leaves and flowers. A cow eats the leaves and it produces milk. A bee will eat the leaf and it will produce musk. A bee will suck on the flower and it will produce honey. Subhanallah, therefore there is no doubt Allah is the creator. That's the purpose of life, to recognize Allah is the creator. Once you recognize this, the second purpose in life is to now love this creator of yours. And true love and loyalty to our creator is by worshiping him subhanahu wa ta'ala, adhering to his commandments. That's the purpose of life. And then afterwards, we're going to return to Allah and he will see and examine. If we fulfilled our purpose, we have the paradise. If we did not fulfill our purpose, then the hellfire is promised. And yes, that is fair. And I'll give you a small example. Imagine a committee got together and they decided to build a medical school. So they employed the best teachers and they brought the best curriculum into this school and they purchased and fitted the school with the latest equipment and technology. And then they enrolled these students. And after five years, the school says to all the students, congratulations, all of you have graduated medicine school and you are all qualified with honors. Is that fair or not? Of course that's not fair. What about the one who studied, the one who didn't attend, the one who was lazy, the one who studied hard? That's not fair. If you, couldn't, if you couldn't come to the realization and conclusion, or if you came to the conclusion that that's not fair, and I gave you a silly, worldly example, then imagine in the bigger scheme of things, Allah puts us on earth, and He sends us the best teachers, the prophets, and He sends us the best curriculum, the last one of them being the Qur'an. And then you think at the end of life, everyone is going to be the same? The oppressor and the oppressed? 
the righteous and the rebellious, all of them are going to be the same. Impossible. Allah says, Are we going to make the believers equal to the criminals? Allah then says, how do, how do you people judge? How do you people put two things together and judge it in this manner? Or is it the matter that you have a book that tells you, hey, come to earth and do whatever you like? That's not the case, my brothers and sisters in Islam. The central message of the Quran is the worship of one Lord. Worshipping one Lord, then we will return. And then the results will be present before us. And the greatest, and that's perhaps my last minute with you, the greatest way to manifest your tawheed, the greatest way to physically manifest and display your la ilaha illallah is your commitment to the prayer. That is it. The commitment to as-salat. Because the pillar of as-salat it comes after ash-shahadatayn. We say, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. The next pillar is what? As-salat. Because if your la ilaha illallah was genuine and sincere and honest and true, the sign of that would be your commitment to as-salat. Well, salat itself, it combines all the pillars of Islam in it. All of them. You see, the first pillar of Islam is saying, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And when you pray, you are praying only for Allah Azza wa Jal. Wa ashadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah because you are praying in the manner Muhammadun sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught you. That's the first pillar. The second pillar is as-salat and you are in as-salat. The third pillar is fasting. And in as-salat you are fasting. You're not allowed to eat, you're not allowed to drink and no sexual activity in as-salat. The fourth pillar in Islam is az-zakat. How is the zakat found in a salat? Because the zakat is giving a portion of your wealth fi sabilillah to purify the rest of your wealth. Well, salat is giving a portion of your time to Allah to purify the rest of your time in the day and the night because that's filled with filth and sin and heedlessness. And the last pillar of Islam is al-hajj. And in a salat, we face the Kaaba. Well, Hajj literally is to go to the house of Allah and perform certain deeds. So the one who prays, he is a person who is honest with his La ilaha illallah. So if you do not pray, start your salat. And if you are already praying, increase and start with voluntary prayers. As-sunan al-rawatib that come before and after the obligatory prayers. Al-witr, just one rak'ah at night. Allah Azza wa Jal loves those who pray that one rak'ah at night. Don't let the shaitan sit on your heart and keep you lazy from the prayer. Wallah, it is very easy to pray. Very easy to pray. I tell you how, this is the trick. The second the call for salat is made, get up and pray. Because every time, every minute you drag it on and you delay it, the shaitan's evil whispering is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's why you keep saying, I can't pray. As-salat is difficult. It's because you've never prayed on time. Try praying on time and then let me know if as-salat is something difficult. You will never find any difficulty in it whatsoever. The second you hear Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, 
get up and say, Allahu Akbar. That's it. The struggle is finished. The worry is finished. The pain is gone. The difficulty was salawat and I had to pray. Where do I start? It's all gone. Finished. If you only do this and you practice it. My brothers and sisters in Islam, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us people of the Quran. And we ask him subhanahu wa ta'ala to instill the love of as-salat in our lives and in our hearts. And we ask him subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept our righteous deeds. And I ask Allah azza wa jal that he grant you all success and mercy. And give you more than you ask him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I ask Allah azza wa jal that if we are not able to meet again in this worldly life, that we meet in the paradise, in the company of the messengers and the prophets was siddiqeen was shuhada wa hasuna ulaika rafiqa jazakumullahu khayra wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh